We're privileged today to have a special guest with us. Pastor Dan Bickle and his wife Rini were here some, oh, years ago. Um, when, when he was the pastor, he was the pastor of this church and has been the uh, district superintendent now for 16 years, I guess I gave it away. 16 years, and uh, many of you know him, many of you are new since then. But it's been my privilege uh, to be under his leadership. He's my leader, and I count on him, uh, call him many times during the year uh, as a mentor, as uh, for wisdom and advice, and, and uh, I'm accountable to him. And so uh, it's a privilege on occasion for us to have him as our guest. And he, um, he is coming today to, to preach and to share the Word of God. He'll be sharing some other things. And so I'd like us to give a, a warm welcome to Pastor Dan Bickle. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Um, in case the preacher gets long-winded or something, I have something to play with here this morning. So. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, what, a, what a privilege and honor to, to be here. Uh, so uh, Pastor Mark mentioned that he's going to be finishing up the book of Acts. So you've been in it, like, what, five years now? For, for, for a number of weeks. Well, so about four or five weeks from now, you're going to be done with the book of Acts. But we need to understand that we are still the continuation of the book of Acts. We are the living church, and it's not because, you know, we're Eau Claire or Wesleyan or whatever. It is because we are under the canopy and the leadership and hopefully the power of God's Holy Spirit in living out uh, what the church is supposed to be. And so, uh, so Pastor Mark and Judy, thank you. And Pastor, where's, where, what happened to Pastor Damien? Oh, you're, you're sitting back there with your wife. Awesome. All right. Pastor Damien and Bailey, thank you so much for your leadership here. And it is an honor and a privilege for me to, to be able to be here today. Um, whenever I come <clears throat> to um, a church, and, and many times I'm a guest in a church now, but um, I just I want you to know that I believe Pastor Mark, Pastor Damien, the leadership of this church, it is their heartbeat and their desire that this is a safe place for you. This is a safe place for you regardless of where you are. Maybe you've been on this journey for a long, long time. Maybe you're just starting the journey. Maybe you're somewhere in between. Maybe you're here and you don't even give a rip about what the vision or the mission of the book of Acts is. But I know that their heartbeat and, and their prayer is that this would be a safe place for you to come, to explore, and to, to continue on in that journey. So when I, whenever I come, and it's an honor for me, thank you for the privilege. You, you know, you, you've been gone for like a month, and then you show up, and you got somebody else to speak for you. Like, that was planned, I'm guessing. So anyway, uh, it's good to have you back, and uh, what a delight to be here. Um, let me just share a couple of words from around the district uh, when, and, and around across the Wesleyan Church. Uh, you're, you're one of like 5,000 congregations in almost 100 countries around the world. And the Wesleyan Church, unlike many other denominations or people groups that call themselves uh, religious or faith communities, 
is actually growing. It's growing in the United States. It's growing dramatically in places around the world. So you are a part of, and I believe that there are some significant reasons why that is the case. I believe that, that we are, are biblio-centered. We, we care about the integrity of the Word of God. I believe that we can be and need to be and understand what it means to be on mission, which is the reason for us to exist is not for us, but for those that God loves and who still need to find faith in Him. So when, uh, when Dr. Uh, Wayne Schmidt became the general superintendent last summer, every four years there's a, there's a new leader that's, that's elected, and he said the first thing that we're going to do is for, for 50 days we're just not going to do anything except, well, not anything, you know, the eight, but, um, but we're just going to pray. We're going to pray specifically for God to give us anointing and direction and vision for us collectively as a church. Two things, two big rocks came out of that. One is that we need to be focused on discipleship. We need, we need to be intentional about it. We need to grow people. We need to help them to understand what discipleship is, what it means, and what the end result is, and how we define it. The second thing is that we need to be focused on multiplication. In other words, we need to reproduce ourselves. We need to have babies as churches. We need to uh, spread out. We need to find other places and communities. And in fact, in fact, we have a kind of a BHAG um, that over the next five years in, in the Wisconsin district, uh, we, we're just praying that God will raise up 15 new congregations, satellite sites, whatever it is that he wants to do, because we need to be multiplying. We just need to do that. And so... Um, Two things that we are very much a part of and believe in as a Wisconsin district is not just to multiply ourselves and make disciples here, but also to invest ourselves in other countries around the world. Uh, many of you might know that we were involved in Nicaragua for about 15 years. There is now a Wesleyan church that did not exist 15, 16 years ago in Nicaragua. And uh, they continue to grow and plant new churches, and we continue to invest in that. But we've also made the shift over to Uganda. Uganda is over in Africa, okay? And um, it, there, there's just an incredible story about uh, Uganda. There's about 60 churches there in that country right now, and they have a, a strong vision for church planting, for multiplying themselves. But the problem is, two or three years ago, when, they, when we connected with them, they had one ordained or licensed minister in the whole country. And so they need leadership development. And so as we come alongside Uganda, they have a BHAG, it's a big, hairy, audacious goal in the next five years to have 100 licensed and ordained ministers that can serve the church across Uganda. That's, that's a huge, huge thing. But we have the privilege of doing that. We also had a, a team that went in February uh, and some people actually from the Eau Claire Wesleyan Church uh, were a part of that team. Um, just a couple of things, they built a tower, they electrified a well, they installed a 4,000 liter water tank and laid two and a half football fields of pipe uh, as one of their projects. They also taught, taught Ugandan women how to make soap out of all the materials that were found in Uganda and also taught them a little simple business plan. You see, every, every pastor in Uganda is bivocational. They farm, they do other kinds of things so that they can survive. And then they have the privilege of pastoring or leading a church or a congregation. 
And so this is just, uh, just, just another part of that model. Uh, so there's, there's just a lot of great things that are happening there in Uganda, and we get the privilege of being a part of that. A lot of good things are happening around the district, and I want to take your time to do that this morning before uh, you, you have to come up here and play with my yellow dump truck, okay? So <clears throat> let me just ask you a question. Anybody here been hurt or taken advantage of or been misunderstood, chewed out, mistreated in some way or another or multiple times? And I think everybody would, if you're honest, if you're alive, I think you would have to admit that something has happened to you like that. It has certainly happened to me multiple times, and I have not just been the recipient of those kinds of things, but I have also been the person who has perpetuated, sometimes maybe intentionally or in ignorance, uh, offended or hurt or said some things to other people. What I, what I want to talk about here this morning is the issue of forgiveness, okay, and the power that forgiveness has. You realize forgiveness has incredible, incredible life-changing power in all of our relationships and including our relationship with our Creator God. So Jesus was convicted. If you know his story, he came to this earth, he lived for about 30 years, and then he launched into a public ministry, and he created an awful lot of followers some who absolutely loved him and some who absolutely hated him and wanted him dead. And they finally got their wish because about at the end of that three years, they, they brought him to the cross and they crucified him. And here's the thing, he was crucified with two other people, two other men, one on the left and one on the right. The thing that was unique about that was that the two guys on his left and right were guilty and they deserved to die. But Jesus had done nothing wrong, and he died too. I want us to look at uh, Luke chapter 23, and that story where Jesus is hung on the cross, there's the, the guys on the left and the right, and let's just pick up in verse 23, I'm sorry, verse 32 in Luke chapter 23. It says, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, and here's the phrase, Father, forgive them. Who's guilty? The other two guys. Who's innocent? Jesus. Who says, Father, forgive them? The one who's innocent. So he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Basically, they, they rolled the dice and said, you know, I get, his, I get his socks and you get his shoes. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. And they said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. And the soldiers also came out and mocked him. And they offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, and he said, Don't you fear God, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me 
when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. So Jesus was the one who said, Father, forgive them. The people who spit on him, who mocked him, who tried and convicted him, and who were executing him. He said, for they do not know what they are doing. I would suggest to you this morning, as we talk about forgiveness, that forgiveness changes everything. Forgiveness changes everything when we forgive others. Let's talk about that area first. Okay, I asked you the question at the beginning, is anybody hurt or offended or insulted you or done something that was unfair? I think every one of us, if we were honest, would say, absolutely, and so many of us, it would be multiple times. It has happened. It may be from a spouse, it may be from a, a colleague, it may be from somebody at school, it may be from somebody in the community, it, it could be anybody. But forgiveness changes everything when we understand that we have been offended and hurt and we choose to forgive others. So in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32, here's what it says. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So we all understand that sin demands justice. You know, when we were created in God's image, Justice is a part of that image. We know when we have been offended, don't we? We know when somebody has slapped us in the face. We know when somebody has said something and our heart breaks and it hurts because of what that person has done or what that has said. That is because we have a keen sense of justice. That is a part of who we are. My suggestion to you today is that God says in his word that he needs to be the one to take care of that even though we want to take care of that. And God will sooner or later. So love demands forgiveness. Let's talk about forgiveness. Now in order to define forgiveness and, and, and understand what it means, we need to understand what it is not. Because I think that there are some misnomers, some, some misinformation or notions about forgiveness that we tend to carry on and I don't think they're true and they're right. So. First of all, what forgiveness is not? I'll list them for you and they'll come up on the screen. It isn't changing the past. Forgiveness isn't fun. Forgiveness isn't easy. Forgiveness doesn't make the offense right. Forgiveness doesn't automatically erase the grief. Forgiveness doesn't mean we don't get angry. The Bible says be angry, but do not sin in that anger. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness doesn't mean we don't hurt sometimes for a long time. And it doesn't mean that we forget or minimize the impact of that offense on us. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness, first of all, is a choice. It's not a feeling, it's a choice. Second, forgiveness is a way toward freedom from the poison of hate and bitterness. That's a big one that we need to just remember and understand. It is also able to bring healing to our heart. It opens the door for reconciliation. Lewis Smedes wrote this, the first person who gets the benefit of forgiving is always the person who does the forgiving. 
When you forgive a person who wrongs you, you set a prisoner free, and then you discover that the prisoner you set free is you. That is hard. That is hard to accept. That is hard to understand. But it is very real. You see, being hurt, being offended, is part of being human, right? That's just part of what it is. And when it happens, whether through a betrayal or a negligence, harsh words, a loss, a separation, a verbal beating, whether intentional or unintentional, a physical beating, that hurt cannot be undone. There are no force quit, or guys like me, there's no control, alt, delete keys to escape, reboot, and get past whatever caused the wound. We can't just go back and hit the delete button, and it's all hunky-dory and everything's fine because we are still living in the pain and the results and the consequences, aren't we? And that doesn't necessarily just go away. So the hard decision needs to be made for us. Do we want to spend the rest of our lives with a pain that we didn't deserve to get into in the first place, or do you want a bit rid of it and healed and freed from that so that it doesn't shadow you or dog you for the rest of your life? You see, when we refuse to forgive someone because we have been hurt sometimes very deeply by other people, we are locking ourselves in the prison and we can't get out. And the only way that we can really get out of that prison that we keep ourselves in is through granting forgiveness. So let me just talk real, real quickly, go through a list. How do we forgive? If this is such a powerful thing and is so important, then how do we do it? First step is to confess. Now, I'm not talking about confessing what we have done. We're talking about what other people have done to you. So for me, it's like I need to confess that I've been hurt. In other words, I need to admit to God, I'm in pain and I'm angry and I'm frustrated, and I don't like this, and this is not fun, and this is not easy, and I don't want to do this for this person who has hurt me. You see, we get things turned around. We think that that person doesn't deserve to be forgiven by us. But what God says is we need to confess and admit what the offense was, admit the anger, admit the hate, and maybe admit the bitterness that has grown in your heart because you haven't let it go and the grudge that you're carrying. Second one is to take the initiative. Always take the initiative. You know the most mature person, the most mature Christian, is the one who takes the first step. And that's true in the church because I know what I'm talking about. I've been a pastor and I've been a DS. And there's a lot of crud in the life of the church. And it's because people carry a grudge and they refuse to let that offense go and admit it to the Lord and pray about it and try to take the steps that need to be taken in order to grant the forgiveness that, that we need to grant. Always take the initiative, always. Third is do it quickly. You know, bitterness grows. And it grows bigger and bigger and bigger. And it gets heavier and heavier and heavier the longer we carry it. It does not go away without granting of forgiveness. 
Fourth, do it face to face if possible. Sometimes we can't do that, but we need to try to do that if that, if that is an option. Do it in genuine love. Number six, do it with the desire for peace and reconciliation. You see, here, here's the kicker on this thing. Regardless of whether somebody has asked for that, somebody has offended you, and say, you know, they don't recognize it, or they just say, I don't care. I don't care what I did to them. And they may never, ever come to you and say, I'm sorry, will you please forgive me? It is still our responsibility to make the decision to say, I am going to release myself from the prison. I am not going to allow that person to hold power and sway over me. I am going to grant forgiveness, regardless of whether it is asked for or not. Number seven, let it end the matter for you. Begin to move on. That can be a really hard thing. Once we do it, once we make the decision, we say, I grant that forgiveness, move on. Begin to move on and try to let it go. Number eight is keep on forgiving as needed. Choose repeatedly, in other words, to forgive. Forgiveness is a decision, but sometimes we need to make the decision and reiterate it to ourselves over and over and over again that we need to continue to forgive. Especially many times, and I'm not talking about, you know, somebody that's, you know, said something to you and, the, you know, you, you just kind of let it go because it happened last week and it, you know, it was a three-minute or a three-second conversation or whatever. I'm talking about things, sometimes there are things that are, that are deep, that are, that are very buried, and sometimes they don't, even, they, they don't even show up for a long time. I have a sister, one of my sisters, who for a long time, I never, I never knew this, but she was molested when she was a child. And it wasn't just once, it was several times. But you know that never really showed up even until she got married. And in that event and living in that marriage, it began to show up in her life. And she realized, yikes, there, there's a deep offense here that has taken place in my life. And so she needed to deal with that. And she needed to deal with it repeatedly until God actually was able to release her and free her from that. And she is to this day uh, free from that repeated offense that occurred in her life when she, was a, when she was a girl. That's why I say we need to keep on forgiving as needed. You see, the, the decision can be made, but the feelings don't always go away. Sometimes it takes time for those things to become free and to be released. So that's the first one, okay? So one, one out of four, all right, you ready? Three more to go. Here we go. Everybody alike, alive out there? Everybody awake? Remember the yellow dump truck? Okay, it's, it's still here, okay? Um, I'm gonna talk about it in, uh, in just a few minutes. But forgiveness changes everything when we forgive others. But secondly, forgiveness changes everything when we forgive ourselves. You know, we don't think about this a lot. But what I'm talking about here is when we have done things, maybe against God, or we have done things against someone else, 
what do we do? Here's what I do. I, I, I've been pretty good at doing this. I will, I will go to bed at night, or I will go away from a meeting. And, uh, and by the way, and I, I said this in the first service, okay, the, I know that there are a lot of people that I don't know in this, in this, first, uh, this second service. Uh, there are some that I do know. And so I, I'm just going to say, I was here for 10 years, and I pastored the church. I had a lot of committee meetings, a lot of, a lot of stuff that, you know, met with people and, and all kind of things. So I'm just going to do a blanket, I'm sorry, for whatever I might have done or said or, or, you know, and I was not aware of. I may have offended you or someone else. And sometimes I knew, and, and if I knew, I tried to take care of it. Maybe I didn't know. I kind of do this with my wife, you know, a couple times a week, I just, I just kind of say, honey, I, I'm sorry for whatever it is that I'm going to do, <laughs> or whatever it is that I've done, because she, she has this incredible radar, you know, women tend to have a little bit better radar about relationships and things like that, and I'm, I'm kind of dumb as a rock in, in some of those areas, and so, you know, I just sort of so, honey, I'm sorry, whatever it is that, that I've said or whatever it is that I'm going to say in the next couple of days, uh, I'm sorry, you know, whatever. Okay, so we need, to, we need to live in this thing where we forgive ourselves. Here's, here's the point. We need to stop beating ourselves up for things that we have said and done that cannot be undone. Do you realize that, that something that you said yesterday or something that you did last week or a month ago or five years ago, you can't undo that. It's done. It's said. It's gone. Now, do we need to take care of things if God brings those things to us? Absolutely. But stop beating yourself up and stop hating yourself. Some, there are some people that they just absolutely detest and hate themselves because they cannot get past the fact that they have hurt or offended other people or done things that cannot be undone. Here's what we need to understand. God doesn't hate us. He loves us. And he says, you need to love yourselves. In fact, that that was part of one of the great commandments. We're to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And we, we have to love ourselves like Jesus loves us. So stop beating yourself up. Forgive yourself and quit holding that against yourself. Anyone here got an issue with that? Need to take care of it? Need to deal with it? Third thing is forgiveness changes everything when we forgive God. Let's admit it. How many times have we either done it or been tempted to do it? We blame God for our dilemma. We blame God for our circumstances, our lot in life, the offenses or the pain that we have endured. We hold a grudge against God because of something that somebody, something someone else has done for, to us. He is to blame for everything, we think or we say. And we pass all of that blame away from ourselves or others, and we dump it all on him. Are you familiar with the movie, The Count of Monte Cristo? The, the book? Alexander Dumas, classic, years and years and years ago. 
Yeah, you're all looking at me like, I never read it either. So, okay, so, all right. Uh, I, I, I mean, I read books and, you know, I need to do that kind of thing, but I usually wait for the movie to come out and uh, then I get my story that way. So anyway, the, they, they made a movie, The Count of Monte Cristo, a number of years ago, and in that, in that story, Dantes has been taken advantage of by his best friend. His best friend has, has kind of twisted the, the circumstances and the information so that he basically gets thrown into prison He's unjustly accused, he didn't do anything wrong, and then he's in love with, uh, he, he's in love with uh, the, his sweetheart, of course, when he comes back from sea, and this guy who has taken advantage of him and had him thrown him to prison actually marries his sweetheart, and he did that all intentionally. You talk about pain, you talk about offense, so here's Dante's, he's in prison, and he is, so, he is so angry and is so full of pain that he begins to just, it just grows on him time, you know, day after day after day after day. Well, while he's in prison, he meets a priest who is also in there as a political prisoner, and they're trying to dig their way out of this prison. And during that process, Dante's finally admits to the priest, he says to the priest, he said, I am so angry, I don't believe in God. So it's like going up to, you know, Pastor Mark and saying, Pastor Mark, I don't believe in God. You know, that, that, I mean, that was kind of hard for him to say that, but it was very real for him. And it was because of the pain and because of the hurt, because of the offense. And the priest wisely responds uh, in the story. He says, that's okay, because he still believes in you which I thought was a very powerful statement. God pursues us, he loves us, he still believes in us, even though we may have been holding a grudge against God and we refuse to forgive God for circumstances in our lives. So the last thing about forgiveness is forgiveness changes everything when we accept God's forgiveness. This is a powerful life-changing Many of you here today, some of you perhaps, I don't know how many here today have made that choice. You have come to this place where you said to God, I accept your forgiveness. And if you have done that, you know how powerful and life-changing that is. What we need to remember is that God is offended when we sin, but, but God modeled forgiveness. In, in our story, in the passage that we read, what was Jesus doing? He was hanging on a cross. Was he innocent or was he guilty? He was innocent, okay? But he hung there on the cross, and for all the people to hear, he said, Father, forgive them. He was innocent. He was offended. He was hurt. He was sinned against. And yet, he did that. And he didn't just do it for him or for himself, but he did it for all of us. He took the initiative. So here's what we need to understand. When we ask for forgiveness of our sins, we are not begging God to open his heart in forgiveness. You know, we, we, come, to that, we come to that point, and I remember, you know, as, as a junior high and a high school student, I remember just feeling so awful and, and so guilty, and 
you know, coming to that, and it's like, oh, God, please forgive me. You know, I, I, was just, I was just crying out in my heart, will you forgive me? But I don't have to, we don't have to plead and, and beg God for forgiveness. You know why? Because he's already made that choice. He's already said, I know you've blown it. I know you screwed up. I know you slapped me in the face multiple times. I know that you are guilty and that you were wrong and that you have offended me. But guess what? I have already chosen to forgive you. I've already chosen to forgive you. The reason why we have to confess is because we just have to admit that we messed up and that we need his forgiveness and that we are ready and willing to receive that. So, forgiveness doesn't change the past, but it can change the future. It does change the future. So in these, in these four areas, needing to forgive someone else, needing to forgive ourselves, needing to forgive God, or receiving God's forgiveness, forgiveness does not change the past, but it does have the power to change the future from wherever that point is when we make that decision. Now, so you're all thinking, okay, is he finally going to be you know, done here today? Uh, I am. So, but, but I brought this yellow dump truck for a reason. Uh, it, it's a personal story for me. When I was, um, I was probably about 10 years old, about, about the same age as my, my oldest grandson now, somewhere around that age. And I have, I have three brothers and two sisters uh, in my family. And uh, Ron is a younger brother, and he's, a, he's about five years younger than me. And uh, for one of his birthdays, mom and dad got him a yellow dump truck. It was a metal Tonka truck. Anybody, you know, yellow Tonka trucks? Yeah, okay. We got a bunch of yellow Tonka truck people out here. So you understand what I'm saying. And so, so this was his gift for, for his birthday. And guess what? I'm five years older. More mature. And right. Well, I was angry. I was jealous. I was mean. I was nasty, so you know what we, we did? Please don't hold this against me. I'm, I'm a DS now, and I was a pastor. And I'm sorry, but I'm confessing to you this morning. Um, I took, when I had occasion, I took his yellow dump truck, and I went out to the driveway, and I took a hammer with me. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Can you believe that? And I beat on that yellow dump truck. Because I thought, I never got a yellow dump truck for my birthday from my mom and dad. My younger brother doesn't deserve this yellow dump truck. I deserve to have a yellow dump truck. And if I can't have a yellow dump truck, then he's not going to have a nice yellow dump truck either. And so I just I beat on it with a hammer and I mangled it. Well, fast forward with me for uh, a bunch of years. What you also need to understand is that just a few years later when Ron was in junior high, high school, he started doing drugs. He started doing alcohol. He was an alcoholic. Uh, he got hepatitis C probably from the needles that he was using when he was in high school, maybe college years. Some of those consequences don't go away. 
But about 10 years ago, the Lord convicted me and kind of prompted me to say, do you remember what you did there out on the driveway to your brother's yellow dump truck? And uh, so I, got a, I went to the store and I got a little yellow dump truck. <laughs> and we have a family reunion and we've been doing it for about 20 years now. We're all six of us kids and mom and dad get together. Um, and uh, we have kind of, you know, a share and a worship time on uh, Saturday night or Sunday morning, and so I brought this little yellow dump truck, and I went over to my brother Ron, and I said, Ron, I knew when I did what I did that that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that, and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Because I know that that deeply hurt you. presented him with the, uh, the yellow dump truck. See, Ron walked away from the Lord for 40 years. Now, I'm not suggesting that because I beat on his yellow dump truck that, you know, he did that or made that decision. There's a lot of other things, obviously, that go into that. But I do believe... And I'm not, all, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting either that because I presented him with that little yellow replica Tonka dump truck, that that started things in motion. But what I do understand and what I do believe is that sometimes for us to come to faith in Jesus Christ, for us to come to a place where we can actually see a God that loves us and that receives us, and that has already chosen to forgive us. Sometimes there are steps that the Holy Spirit needs to take us through in order to open the door and to prepare the way. Does that make sense? And I, I believe that God allowed me that prompting so that I could do that for Ron. Because, see, what happened with Ron is that, and, and here's what we need to understand the things that we do, drugs, alcohol, illicit sex, whatever it is, those are all symptoms. They're wrong. But they are things that, that are physical or external kinds of manifestations of something that's going on inside our hearts. And sometimes that can be anger and bitterness and lack of forgiveness, blaming God, blaming ourselves, holding that offense against someone else that just keeps us in that prison and we can't see a God who loves us so much, who wants to receive us as his child. And I think for Ron, when I did that, it gave, it gave me the opportunity to be free. It certainly freed my heart because I took care of business that needed to be taken care of for a long time. And so it freed me, but it also freed my brother Ron to have the opportunity to receive and to grant forgiveness, which is a powerful freedom that God also wants to give to us. And then I believe that it also then began to open the door for Ron to begin to forgive himself. I told you there are consequences. There are always consequences to sin. 
and he's living with and will continue to live in those consequences. He has a son that has been through drug rehabilitation twice, significant drug rehabilitation. There are always consequences, but he forgave himself. And I believe that that opened the door then, about two years ago, Ron began to realize the impact of what he had done, decisions that he had been, that he had been making over those years. And he started going back to church. And then about a year and a half or so ago, uh, he came to faith in Jesus Christ. He had walked away from the Lord for 40 years. So if there's anybody here today says, should I give up? I say no. Listen to the Holy Spirit. My mother, it, w- it wasn't me. My mother has prayed for 40 years for my, bro- for my brother Ron. And God answered prayer. He came to faith in Jesus Christ after walking away for 40 years. And he received God's forgiveness. He was baptized and now he is living for the Lord. So I praise God for that. So my question to you as we close this morning is, is there anyone here that has some business to take care of relationally? You need to, you need to grant forgiveness to somebody who has offended you. Maybe you've held that against them for a long time. And you need to take care of business. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've had this really, really, really well-developed habit of beating on yourself and hating yourself and not forgiving yourself. And you just need to take care of that for things that you've done. They can't be undone. Maybe you need to forgive God. You're holding a grudge against God and that is a major, major barrier for you. Maybe you're here today and you've never made the decision to say, God, I need your forgiveness. God is here, and as I said, he's already granted forgiveness. All you need to do is ask for it. It's a gift. He's ready to give it to you. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, if there's anyone here today that is holding a grudge against somebody else, and they've been in pain, and they're living out that pain sometimes in external kinds of ways because someone took advantage of them physically or, or sexually or mentally or in any other way, and they're, they're living out that pain by doing things that are, are ruining their lives, are offensive to you and, and, and to other people. And God, you just, you just need to help them to understand that those is, this is not an easy thing to do. But we, just, we need to release ourselves from the prison by forgiving other people who have hurt or offended us. There may be someone here today who is just, they're, they're just really good at beating themselves up and rehearsing things that cannot be undone. And they just need to forgive themselves. There's somebody here, perhaps, that has lived maybe recently or maybe for a long time, and we just have to admit and say, God, I've had my, my, my fists clenched at you for a long time, 
and I blame you for everything in my life. And that's just not fair to you. That's just not fair and it's not right. Help them, Lord, to grant forgiveness to you by admitting that it's not your fault. And if there is anyone here today that maybe needs to make that decision to just admit and say, God, I've sinned. I've really blown it. I've messed up. And I just need your forgiveness. I pray that the Holy Spirit would just prick our consciences today and helps us take care of that business. We can, we can walk out of here today, Lord, free. We can walk out of here free because of the power of forgiveness. Help us to do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.